Sacrifice one to save all? Never heard that premise before. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Knock at the Cabin and A Cabin at the End of the World on this episode of Seeing Red. Welcome back to Seeing Red. I am Jim Colhane. I am Kelly McMurray. And in an M. Night Shyamalan twist only Seeing Red could provide you, we do have our own special something going on today. Introducing the one, the only, Evan Crean. Oh shucks. Welcome, Evan. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Excited to and be here. You guys picked a fun episode for me to guest on. <laughs> I was just going to say, did you ever think M. Night Shyamalan would be the thing that would bring you onto a podcast that you would have to talk about? Honestly, no, but I'm really glad that he did, because I think this is going to be a fun conversation. <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan brought us all together. He really did. One of us is dead. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Evan, you want to give a little lowdown on yourself? I mean, I could, I could just say that we've known each other for quite some time. Yes, we go back a ways. We do. And it's weird, because like high school doesn't feel that long ago, but... If we were to be trees and you cut us open, there'd be a cu- quite a couple rings. And I feel like we've been here for about, what, 20 years now yep. that we've known each other? Yeah. Fuck. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. You could like carbon date our fucking Looks friendship. like I'm being the one sacrificed in this <laughs> tree over here. Be gayer, Jimmy. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. We've been pals for a while. So I'm really excited that you guys asked me to come on the show. And uh, yeah, my name's Evan Crean. I'm film critic based in Boston, and I co-host a podcast called Spoiler Peace Theater, which I feel like is kind of spiritually similar to your podcast. (laughs) We review new releases every week with, you know, like a mix of like independent stuff, blockbusters. We also love to focus on like women directed films by people of color, uh, LGBTQ films. And uh, yeah, we review movies. Our tagline is we don't give a shit... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> about we don't give a shit about spoilers. Get, spoilers. get through that tagline. Yeah, we don't give a shit about spoilers. We just want to talk about the movies, and so yeah, I feel like we're on a very similar wavelength. We're all about spoiling shit here. <laughs> yes, we are as well. This Spoil is the shit out of all of it for sure. Like we're like the water cooler people that are just like, did you watch that episode? I hated it, and then you just like talk all about it. Like this is what it's all about. It's what brings people together. Yeah. I'm that guy in my work, Evan. I'm always. I'm always amazed about the amount of movies you can keep up with on an episode basis. You do about three an episode, right? Two to three, yeah. And the while we was Damn. doing, we were yeah. doing four, which was just too much. Oh. I had to cry on call on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Especially God. with like all the streaming services, I feel like it's very hard to keep up with the amount of movies that are just regularly coming out on a mm-hmm. daily basis now. Yeah. What's your favorite streaming service? My favorite. Hmm. I like Shutter. Gun to the head. I like Shutter quite Ooh. a bit. Yeah. Ooh, I liked that. That was not what I, like, I didn't have that in the lineup of my brain at the time. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> it's like one of the few that I don't pay for as well. So I'm just like, oh, shit, I haven't collected them all. It's like the one Pokemon I'm short of. <laughs> <laughs> one day I will have them all. Yeah, Shadow's a good one. There was a movie recently on there, too, and I, I no, that's a random tangent, but there was a movie I wanted to see and it was only on Shudder, and I was like, shit, maybe I should get that. Definitely but, should. Yeah, listen, maybe I will. Before we get much further into this diatribe, if I were to ask you, Evan, 
What side would you choose today? Would you? What side would you choose? Just starting off strong. Yeah. I'm going to have to say that I am very much team book. No. <laughs> yeah. Which is weird for a film critic we'll to get say. Into that before, before I was going to say, you Jenny run a blood. movie podcast. Um, Jenny, Go run a book would you podcast, like to talk about Evan. Some movie news or. <laughs> Distract yourself from the vortex you're being sucked into. Guys, it's getting worse out there. <laughs> yeah, in movie news, HBO changed her name to just Max. What's that about, guys? What is that really? about? Yeah, so I saw something funny online. It was a funny meme where it was like all of the streaming services just shorten their names from like Paramount Plus to just Mount or <laughs> Disney Plus to just Plus or mm. Peacock to just... Cock? Oh, yeah, I, I, I refer to that <laughs> streaming service as Peacock. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and they got they announced a lot of Harry Potter news recently. There's some rumors about casting choices already. Some are interesting. Adam Driver is rumored to play Snape, which would be awesome. I could do oh. that. Dude, I'd yeah. love it if they had like just all these older actors playing the kids. Like if he was playing so Harry there, Potter, would be watch. There's a few of them. <laughs> I guess Draco Malfoy is might play Lucius Malfoy, the father, oh. in the new one, yeah. the the kid that played Draco. So I was like, they could just do that for all the kids at this point. Yeah, just make them all the adults. But Kelly, I know you watched Triangle of Sadness. I loved I watched it. it recently. I loved it. Evan, have you seen Triangle of Sadness? I have. Yet? Yeah. I know you yeah, were like as crazy it. about it, huh? No, I thought the menu <laughs> did it better. To be honest. <laughs> I thought the menu did the eat the rich satire better last year. I I, I agree with that. <laughs> I'm I'm I trying agree. a little sadness on this one. I don't know what it is. Like I loved the cast of the menu. There was something missing for me. But trying a little sadness. I think it's just because like I love wacky, over intellectualized shit. That like I don't know. It just it, like I I really just jived with my sense of humor and what like I liked how it propelled itself and the pacing was was good for me. So, I don't know. I'm going to have to say Team Triangle of Sadness. <laughs> yeah, I'm with Evan. Team Menu all the way. Oh, come on. The donkey scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. Some things were just too much for me to handle. I like, the menu was, it. like, a perfect line. Yeah. Perfect uh, line. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. The, the vomit and diarrhea scene is... <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that was the big one that I watched this week. I also watched... Uh, the Boston Strangler movie mm. with uh, Kira Knightley, which was solid, you know, solid thriller. Movie. Yeah. It's one I'd recommend to your parents. <laughs> to mine <Yeah>. in particular. <laughs> to, to any parents. parents. It's a parent movie. They love those old time cop, you know, detective, you know, the media's hunting down the source of uh, yeah. the killer kind of situation, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel that. I feel mm-hmm. like there's like a lot of movies out right now too, where there's like two females working together to like solve a case. Like there's that one movie right. she said, I think with the Weinstein case. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which is like, I like all this kind of stuff, but like sometimes I feel like we're like trying really too hard to be like, there was never a time before the me too movement and women have always been like empowered. And I'm like, Oh, blow it out your ass. Like, <laughs> no, Karen Knightley yeah. would not be solving this fucking crime. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know. Kira Knightley never really did it for me. I, I was never really a fan of her as an actress, but this was <laughs> yeah, solid. I would say it's a solid movie, although it does become kind of a paint-by-numbers investigative journalism kind of movie. 
I think uh, she was really good in this movie that not a lot of people saw a few years ago called Official Secrets, which was another investigative journalism movie about a journalist uncovering, you know, a corruption and cover up surrounding the Iraq war and the UN Security Council's like vote to, you know, invade Iraq. It was it was a really good movie. Oh, cool. Yeah. That sounds good. I wanted to see the one that was actually done with, uh, a, it was by Cronenberg, which I blew my fucking mind, was a, a dangerous method. And it was about Carl Jung's practice of trying to, you know, help this one female overcome her anima and animus. And like, it, it, it goes down that path. But we have, we keep putting it on the docket and then they're kind of knocking it off. And like, knowing Cronenberg, I'm like, how is this man involved? with a historical <laughs> fiction movie. It's weird. Like, yeah, does someone's head blow yeah. up by the end? I need to know, so. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much all I have on movie news updates. Last thing is, uh, there's a lot of Star Wars news coming out. If for Star Wars fans, there's about 10 movies that they announced, I think, over the next couple years, mm-hmm. including First Jedi Order, stuff like that. So if you're into Star Wars, lots there's lots coming up. Yeah. Do you feel like a lot of this is like canon or this is like a lot of just I hope it's Disney canon. Money grabbing. Yeah. I mean like I hope hey, it's canon. It's, it's fun while it lasts, right? Yeah. I mean if you're into it, just lean in. That's what I say. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited about it as a lifelong Star Wars I am fan. Too. I mean, I think when I was a kid watching the Star Wars movies, I never could have imagined that we would get the star wars universe that we have today with all these tv shows and movies and so i'm just all about it i just keep (laughs) keep watching i don't love them all but i'm still i'm still there for it well you said that too jimmy was like this is like the time of the nerds or at least the millennials where we finally Uh get to have like all the franchises that we loved as children like just blown up that much more like i've been watching a lot of harley quinn on hbo Uh on max i'm so sorry (laughs) on max get used to saying it starts in uh, yeah. May. <laughs> it's going to be Max. <laughs> God. I feel like the testosterone just went like way too yeah. high in this group. <laughs> We're going to give you all the DC and Harry Potter you love. Yeah. All right. Evan, did you have any movie news you'd like to throw out there along with that? Well, we were talking about streaming services earlier, and I was just, I saw a piece in the news today about how. AMC Plus is releasing an ad-supported tier, and I just want to ask, why? Why are they doing that? <laughs> they, they already failed at their original products, which I have, by the way. I have AMC Plus. And it's a terrible streaming service. It, the, are you, You're going to get it, though. <laughs> you know what our customers want? Ads. Right. More commercials. Yeah, our, our user interface is terrible. It's constantly crashing. It never remembers where you are in TV shows. You don't get access to the full libraries of our shows, often only the most recent season, and then we yank that away from you. Like, wow. why? It's all what? done on like Microsoft Paint. Yeah. <laughs> the FX platform was pretty rough for a while, too. When it first started, I remember it was kind of like that. It was very glitchy and it always forgot where you were. and You'd have to restart episodes. Our lives are so hard. (laughs) So (laughs) tough. When I was a kid, I had to go five miles to the nearest blockbuster. 
Yeah. And then I, oh God, there's like a, there was one time I was like, I really wanted to watch the L word and I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to finally rent it at Blockbuster. And it was the one guy that liked to announce everything that you were trying to rent. <laughs> I remember <laughs> I had like hid the L word series between like two other movies. And he was like, oh, this movie is great. This movie. And then he just quietly passed the L word season one quietly to the other side without any comment on it. And I was like, yeah, you know what that is. <laughs> well, that's good. He wasn't trying to out yeah. you. No, he wasn't uh, trying to out me. He was a lesbian too, I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, so uh, Evan, what are you reviewing on your next episode? Speaking of movie news, well, the next episode—it's two movies I haven't seen yet as of this recording. So I'll be watching the new Evil Dead movie and mm-hmm. Bo is Afraid, both of which I'm very excited to see. I'm excited oh, to hear your feedback. Very on excited that. for that too. Yeah. Yeah. Big, very because go for it no, i'm just saying a big fan of evil dead so i'm excited to take Same. in any new stuff in the franchise <laughs> and Same. i like ari aster to date so I th- i'm really interested to see what this third movie is going to be all about i do too but well, yeah, he yeah. makes me nervous i feel like he's been a little little over the top lately i don't know i've heard this movie is very hit or miss you know you're either yep. gonna love it or i've hate heard it. that as well but that's kind of like Azura, like to begin with, like I feel like Hereditary, Hereditary like I think was a pretty mass marketed movie and I think that's what obviously yeah. launched him. But like Midsommar is like very 50-50. Like I know people that hate Midsommar and then I know people like myself who absolutely love it. And oddly enough, a lot of comedians love Midsommar. I don't understand <laughs> where that one comes I mean, in. I probably think it's just it's a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> the fucking it scenes. is a great movie. Oh, it's so good. So I'll have to hear about it. It's like, it's what, like three and a half hours though for a runtime, right? It's, uh, I think it clocks in around three hours. Yeah. It's a lot of Joaquin. Yeah. It's a long movie. Do you think there's like an intermission? I hope not. I just want to power through it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to power through it. <laughs> I will bring my own catheter. I don't care. I don't like, keep it going. Run that bitch. When IV soda uh, and I've got the catheter. <laughs> <laughs> don't touch that bottle <laughs> you're just that's picturing mine i'm some, drinking that later someone knocks the bottle over you know when you're in the theater and someone knocks a bottle over and you just hear it roll all the way through the roll, <laughs> roll yes. all the way down. <laughs> yeah for sure sorry that's just my urine <laughs> let me get that out of the way all right well enough uh, of your shit i'm gonna do some book news what's going on in book world kel like kind of like what I did last episode. I don't have too much by like way of news news, but I did want to, <laughs> despite not being sponsored by this, I really did want to promote something. And that is, I know how independent bookstores aren't really something that are as common as they should be. There's too many like small towns that don't have bookstores anymore. And even like things like Barnes and Nobles, I feel like is it's, it's kind of more sequestered to like malls and bigger cities. But there is a way to support independent bookstores and also order online. So I really wanted to talk about bookstore.org. I know, like, obviously, I've been around for a while. I was using Amazon when that was a book <laughs> book website. <laughs> you know, like, remember those days where it wasn't like you were getting, like, you know, sex toys and uh, your, your paper towel goods for the week? Amazon was all about books. Mm-hmm. And obviously now it's kind of become like one of those things where it's just, it it makes me a little uncomfortable to be like part of a monopoly. And as much as I love Amazon and I've literally ordered a book this week off of them, 
bookstore.org takes a little bit longer, but like a lot of the proceeds go to independent bookstores, particularly ones by you. So if you want to order a book, you feel really bad that you can't, you know, like drop out and go to a store and pick something out yourself. Then I would really highly recommend using that because it's a, it's a great way to kind of give back and kind of keep these places still open and, and functioning. Because as I've said already about Blockbuster and we're renting lesbian <laughs> television programs <laughs> at it. <laughs> I miss that. I miss that, I co- you know, like the connection with humans, basically. But I love going to bookstores and I love the, the ability to just kind of like gander and touch things and pick it up. And I'm a tactile person that way. Like personally, I also don't read on a Kindle or I don't do audiobooks. So having something in my hand is like a really important thing to me. And I do judge books by their covers. So for me, like that's such a great thing to keep open and available. And I think it's a cool thing for, you know, like younger generations to like kids. So please use bookstore.org if you are in a, in a scrape and you wanted to get a book online because you couldn't find it anywhere else. So that's my, that's my book scam for the day. I, I will say I, I read the Wayward Pines trilogy from last episode to this episode. Very good. Very quick read. And it's also a TV show. So, uh, what's that? And the what's interesting on? thing, it's on uh, Hulu. Mm, yeah, I think you're right. Um, and uh, the cool thing is that they they put all three books into the first season, and then they think they have two more seasons after that that they kind of just made up on their own. So it'd be interesting to see. That's kind of cool. It's almost like so. how like Handmaid's Tale, like the first book is what inspired the first season. And yeah. Obviously, from there on out, they kind of. Improvise. I kind of like when they do that because they explore the world a little bit more. Yeah, you know? I think so. If they if they can accomplish what the material is in the books and like do that well, like I thought Handmaid's Tale, like we can obviously do this as a as an episode or two, but yeah. I I love that book and I thought they did a really good job of modernizing it a little bit and then also kind of like what you just said, exploring that world a little bit more and seeing kind of like mm-hmm. the the ripple effects that something like that does. So yeah. Because the books were really good. I just wish they explored the world a little bit more. So yeah. I'm excited. And I started the Stormlight Archives, which I'm excited oh, about. I'm dancing around <laughs> that. I'm gonna, I am gonna. I just got in the mail the last book in the Hyperion Canto. So after that's done, I'm finally oh, nice. going to get in. So you'll have to let me know how the Way of Kings is. Yeah, so far so good. Yeah, Evan, are you like um, a big fantasy guy? Not really, no. <laughs> or sci-fi? Get I do like sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do like sci-fi. Not not a big fantasy guy, but I do do like yeah. a good sci-fi book here and there. Maybe you just haven't found the right one yet. Maybe. That's it. Did you like Game of Thrones when you were like as a TV show? I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like that's a good introductory for like a lot of people that always had like a. You know, I, I remember calling it the Lord of the Rings bullshit. And then my friend Daniel was like, no, 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 try it. And eventually I got into it. And that's kind of like what opened that door into that reading genre as well. So I don't know. I just want to encourage you to try, you know, eat your broccoli and try some <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> All right. um, let's get into <laughs> Knock at the Cabin. <laughs> speaking of broccoli <laughs> speaking of vanilla <coughs> really uh, knock at the cabin so a quick description of knock at the cabin i'm just gonna go over the imdb description and then we'll just get right into it oh, so but imdb so we're going down the movie path well it's the same it's just the description of the it's, story it's, okay go ahead do your thing while vacationing, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed strangers who demand that the family make a choice to avert the apocalypse. That's That's the I think that kind of covers it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Not bad, IMDb. So, <laughs> so Kelly, what's uh, what's going on, on the book side? What do you guys think of the book? You know, it's like I I I was not sure what to think of when I first picked it up. So my points on this is that a I found it actually really quite gripping. Like when I first started mm-hmm. reading it, I I I was so possessed with the the desire to find out what world I'm in, and that drove me to really want to read it very quickly. It's written very simply. I don't think there's like a lot that happens, but the, you still have like a very fast pace to it that I thought was like, I don't know, it was, it was it was an enjoyable read is basically what I would like to say. I don't think it was the most well-written <laughs> novel I read. And I would even go for, so far as to say like, it kind of reminds me of something like if I were to have read this in college and my friend was like, like junior year of college and someone wrote this, I'd be like, wow, I think you have something like this is kind of going somewhere. But Kind of where it is now, I feel like it wasn't fleshed out enough in what the author wanted to accomplish. And I know, too, that Justin, or is it Justin? I keep wanting to call him Justin. Paul Paul Tremblay Tremblay. is the author. Justin Trudeau. (laughs) (laughs) This book was covered in maple syrup. (laughs) (laughs) It it, It takes place in Vermont. But it was, what was it, 2019 that this came out? He's a mathematician and he lives like right outside of Boston. So you two fuckers can go find him. But <laughs> he's, he kind of like, I, I read like what the, the postscript of it, of the book was and the conversation that they had with the author that was included in the, the copy I have. And he was saying like, basically what happened with him was that he was, he kind of got struck by this one idea and then was like, I, he doesn't really love the, the genre of a house invasion basically and kind of started to work on it in his own mind of like how he would change it what he would add to it and i think that does come off very strongly in this book is that there is like a sort of algorithm that i think he's trying to figure out and piece together to himself and though i think the story moves very quickly and well there's things about it that i think could have been done better particularly the ending i think the death of one could have been handled a lot better and then on top bogus. of it, <laughs> bogus, <laughs> it, because there's there's something about that that was kind of unnecessary, and it ended up being necessary by the end. But I think like it wasn't tackled well enough in the in the action of what was happening that it seems extremely uncalled for, and the payoff doesn't really ever come because of that. But more frustrating than anything is that this the whole thing that drives the story is that you don't know what world you're in. Is this a world where there is a wrathful God that creates these scenarios in which people have to choose a sacrifice. And I think that's an awesome conversation and construct. But by the end of the story, you never really know if that's the case or if this was just a bunch of loonies coming over and, you know, Uh rustling up the homosexuals. So, (laughs) (laughs) just Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, that came by. This is how we get them. (laughs) You know, like it was like, yeah, is this a world where everyone's just homophobic and Asian phobic or is it a world in which that's still true, but God sucks. So it, it, you never really have that answer to it. And I think like he really tried very hard to accomplish pulling that off and making it seem that at the end it doesn't matter because a world like that isn't a world worth living in. But I still think you have to give your audience a, a, a little bit, not necessarily catharsis or clarity, but something a little bit more driven, I guess, because it seemed like he didn't know how to end it either. And I think that kind of came across to the audience that like, 
whether or not he wanted them to be like holding hand in hand and walking off into the sunset saying, screw this and screw everybody else. There's still something about it that it was done within two paragraphs. And I don't think anyone really got anything from that outside of just sort of a frustrating of like, so what happened? You know, like you've just been sprinting through this novel with him to figure out who these people are and and what, what's kind of happening to never really have that answer. And that's why I say it's kind of like an algorithm is that I don't think he really figured out the parts and, and made those, the, the, some of the parts make sense. And another thing that I would say, particularly about his writing, and I've noticed this a lot with having been in a lot of writing workshops and, you know, just growing up in general, is that authors tend to, when they're not strong enough in their own voice, add a lot of descriptors and like allegories and like similes in in sentences so that it fleshes the story out and it makes you seem a little bit more clever, but it doesn't necessarily accomplish anything. So what you do is you still have a very bare bones story with like a very like overly complicated, like the sky was blue, the kind uh-huh. of blue that's on your antique mother's boudoir from the 1950s. And you're like, Where the fuck, what the fuck was the 1950s boudoir thing yeah. for? Like, you know, it gets yeah. way too clumsy and clunky because of that. And I noticed that a lot when I was reading him, that there'd be some really cool things. And then he would be like, oh, I have to be really clever and make this like really cool, you know, uh, and then, and then when never saw again, you're like, okay, like (laughs) what, what is actually happening here? So, I mean, that's kind of just where I'm coming from. I personally liked the book for the fact that I was, I was so engaged with it. I really was curious. I was, I was willing to step into this world. I wanted to explore it more and and yet again, be more tactile with it. But, um, the ending, I didn't think landed as well as I think he wanted it to. And yet at the same time, I think it was kind of the ending that was needed because the concept of this book is like very Lovecraftian it's sort of a world in which I forget what the term is, but it's, it's basically when the, the metaphysical world is not as cut and dry and peaceful as things can be. So there's a war in the cosmos, you know, and the basis of this book was basically we're stuck with the God that we have, you know what I mean? And that this world is maybe not worth saving based on the, the the gods that are in control of it. And I think that's a really powerful and profound story. And something that I like to write about too is like the perception of God in our life really frames a lot of our society and a lot of who we are as people, whether we know it or not, and our language. And I think to tackle that is the biggest thing that one can tackle is that is life worth living if 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 God is an asshole, you know what I mean? Like if God's going to make you choose to kill somebody else, is that a world worth living in? And is a world worth living in the price of a child dying and that's not good enough, you know? So I think, I think there's some really cool, profound things in this. I just think, I wish it was handled by somebody with a little bit more deft, defter hand, if you will, and a little less... I don't know, maybe some more prose. If it, it was filled with more prose, maybe I'd be willing to be like, ah, you know, that guy, he's smart. He knows what he's doing. He left us hanging, you know, because that's the way life is. I don't think it came off that way. So maybe I'm wrong. How did you guys feel? 
Evan, you feel oh, free to sure. chime in. I'm going to go at the end here because I'm, 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 it's two against one here. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I agree with a lot of the things you're saying about the book, Kelly. I found the pacing the best part of it. I felt like mm, it was really fast paced. I think that probably has to do with the fact that there's a lot of like short, simple sentences, like you were saying. I agree with you that the the prose itself is nothing to write home about. Too. <laughs> yeah. <Use a> pun. <laughs> and if you if you write home about it, just use less fucking similes. <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely not written in the most interesting way. I did actually like some of the descriptors. It, I think more than you did. I liked when he was describing <laughs> Andrew's knee like it was putty and just using very descriptive words. <laughs> to tell the reader how badly his knee was fucked up. <laughs> yeah. But I, I and I li- and I like that they killed the kid. I think that's a bold choice. I wish the movie was I, that bold. Oh, I agree. God. I liked it. I just think it felt it felt so out of place at the time that it happened. Mhm. And then like the it was like the end of that one chunk and then I think it moved into like the next not chapter, but like basically section of the novel. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you're still kind of confused because the way he said it, I guess was supposed to be like a dun dun, right. you know, like, and yeah. then Len never yeah. saw or talked again. And you're like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> and then the next thing they're like, oh no, she's dead. And it kind of took like a few it was pages like chapter before that was confirmed. Right. They kept saying, yeah. they kept referring to her body. And I, and I thought, to myself, right. okay, well then she has to be dead. If they're referring to her body, they would just say when, if they meant when. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of like in Fight Club where they're like, you can't say your dildo. It's a dildo. It's a dildo. <laughs> <laughs> if the person's alive, you use their name. If they're dead, they're, they're a corpse. A body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I feel like I'm on a very similar page with you about the book. Still found it interesting, though. It still held my attention. And I mean, I like that the ending is ambiguous. It's something I don't like about the movie, which we'll talk about more. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to tell you exactly what happened. So I mean, and and for me, I, you know, it did, it did, it kept me on the edge of my seat. And that's the most I can really ask for from a book. As to someone who doesn't read very regularly. And it's an easy read. Like, it was one of those things that it I is. don't think would intimidate a lot of people. And I don't know, like, it's, it's enjoy. It was so simple that it, it just flowed very, very well, mm-hmm. I thought. I don't know. But then again, I also want My more turn. violence. <laughs> yes, Jimmy, you too. Go ahead. I got an uphill battle here, guys. But I, I agree with a lot of what you guys were saying. I was... I was very intrigued by this book. I was, I'm not a big reader, as you know, I, I, I take things at face value. I don't read into a lot of analogies and similes and metaphors and all that stuff. So I think I, I'm, a, I'm in agreement with most of the things you guys are saying. Like I was really interested in the premise. I like the idea of kind of like a cult following and wondering if what they're saying is actually real or not real. And, you know, could, family make some sort of choice like this. And then once they kind of got the ball rolling, I just was more curious about what was real and what wasn't real. And like, I wanted to know more. There's a scene where one of the women that come into the house, they have a flashback to her going down a valley and she kind of gets entranced and she doesn't know why she goes down that valley. And I liked all that stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, like I liked a little background and stuff. Yeah. But then I felt like they didn't explain any of it. You know what I mean? Like, 
I was excited for the ending. And don't get me wrong, I don't think either book or movie stick the ending very well, yeah. personally. I'm kind of on the opposite side where I don't think Wen should have died. I didn't really get the point of that. I kind of do, I guess. But And then I thought they were leading up to maybe she'll come back to life if they make mm-hmm. another sacrifice or something. Mm-hmm. I thought some weird twist was going to happen at the end because he was seeing there's a point where Eric is seeing flies around her, you know, that nobody else can see. And uh, there's a lot of weird stuff going around Wen's body. And I couldn't figure out, I I was like, oh, I'll just keep reading because maybe something weird will happen where she, her sacrifice did something or, you know, she's going to come back. And then it was getting to the point where I was reading it and I'm like, you know, I'm about 95% done with this book and uh, I don't still don't know what's going on. (laughs) She's still dead. And, you know, the, 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 the last girls bringing them out to, you know, walk to the car and then she kills herself. And then they're kind of like, fuck it. We'll just (laughs) be together, I guess. And then, but they don't even explain if they end up together. I assume they do. And just the world ends, but they don't really explain that. They kind of just leave it as a cliffhanger. I, and trust me, I get cliffhangers. It reminded me of like Lost, where they built up a lot of questions, but didn't have a lot of answers to follow up with it. And it got me into this world that I was very excited to to learn about. And being a New Englander, I liked a lot of the references. They reference the penalty box, which Evan, I don't know if you know the penalty box, but no. that was a that was a serious great for hate hangout. crimes, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty accurate to the book. It's the diviest of all bars you'll ever see in Boston. It used to be across from the garden and my friends and I used to go during college and it was terrible, just a terrible place. But (laughs) luckily they've changed the penalty box. It's not the penalty box anymore, but it was cool hearing all the references and stuff like that. I just, uh, yeah, I got to the end and I was very disappointed. I was, I was all excited. Like I, I'm a big fan of cult following stories and, you know, I liked the debate between Eric and the, I forget the other father's name now, but yeah, I like the two sides of it. You know, one's very practical and clearly explaining every news story that's coming up. And then I like the other side where he's kind of debating, like, maybe this is happening, you know, Mm -hmm. and I like that back and forth. I found Leonard very annoying in the book. (laughs) Oh my God. If he said he was normal, if he said he was normal one more time, I was going to throw it away. Listen, when you're brainwashing your captives, you can't just be like, you know, like you have to say you're a common Joe. You know, you can't just be like, (laughs) I'm part of Mensa. Listen, I know it's a difficult choice, an impossible choice, but you're going to have to kill each other. Hey, man, I'm just joking. I get it. I get it. I'm not the bad guy here. I'm just the messenger. He would say that through like the whole book. I was getting like, all right, all right, I get it. You're like a normal dude, you know? Yeah. But yeah, that's that's my take on it a little bit. I think I, you know, what I like, and I think it's it shows very strongly in the contrast between the book and the movie is that the book didn't feel the need to explain over explain things to its audience, and I think that yeah. that draws me in more because you're trusting my intelligence. And honestly, because books aren't perfect, (laughs) like even when you do write it as an author, there's things that kind of grow out of it. And I think he understood that enough and trusted his book enough to to have that breath. And honestly, it, it really 
takes something away from it when you have to tell people it's like explaining a joke, you know what I mean? Like you've taken yeah. away the essence of what is being conveyed, you know? And this book definitely could have used a little tighter parts. And I think, I, I honestly think he didn't really know where it was going. I think he was working out a problem in his head and trying to see what titillated him. And the things that he was drawing from, like one of the references he said that inspired the ending was the ending of Terminator. And like the mm, idea, yeah. of, you know, like her walking off into the distance like a badass. And he was Which like, I totally love. Yeah. I, do I too. totally love that. But you know you don't get that set. Like you can watch Terminator and see that and be like, yes, I get it. But when you read this book, you're still so lost about where you are that I think I think a little bit of confirmation from the author as to what world you're in and if it was for good or not would have been more satisfying and not just satisfying because, you know, I'm a human and I want all my cake and eat it too. And I want everyone to tell me how the the story ends and everyone lives either happily ever after or not. I just feel like it would have made more sense. I think by the end of it, you're just, you're still kind of, you have so many questions and they're questions that weren't necessary to leave hanging. You know what I mean? And I think a little bit more of delving into this and really putting his fingers into the muckety muck of what it means to live in a universe where there's cosmic horror, basically, you know, I think that was really cool. And I was really on board for that, but like, then give me more of it really, really throw that down my throat and say, you know, I don't know, like you can go darker or you can completely stop somewhere. And I don't think he did either of those. I think he just kind of had two paragraphs, didn't really know how to finish it, had an imagery in his mind of how he wanted to complete it. And that was kind of how it ended. Hmm. Which I'm curious, which direction do you think you would have liked better if it was just total bullshit and these people were making it all up or they found out it was real the whole time? You know, that's what's so hard. That's why I wanted to read a book. So, I could have wrote this fucking piece of shit if I wanted to have an ending, if I had to write it myself. <laughs> no. I, like, honestly, like, I love dark. So, like, for me, if this was a world in which, yeah, like, the people are compelled to do awful things and, like, you have to do them because it's the, the means of sacrifice in it, I think that showed enough throughout the course of the novel. I think it makes the most sense of an ending. And that's what M. Night Shyamalan did and carried that torch into the ocean. But (laughs) I would have also really liked the satisfaction of that all these people died and it was for nothing. That this was just craziness. (laughs) This was just people online doing something really crazy or someone Mm -hmm. was really sick and, and manipulated these people. I think that would have been very interesting. And it also brings us to the fact that what was so fascinating is that he used a gay couple with an adopted child as the the, the protagonist yeah. of this novel. And I remember, so I didn't know the book before the movie was, you know, spoken of being released. And I remember seeing the trailer and being like, oh my God, is that a gay couple that's actually in like a horror movie? Like, this is so cool. Like, that's like such a fascinating thing. I hope they don't fuck this up and send <laughs> us back 50 years. <clears throat> but... um. I like that they did that in the novel because the questions there and like how everything makes sense because of that is so, I thought that was very intelligent. 
I think, you know, it was, it was maybe a softball too, but you are left with, is this like just a hate crime? Is this like, of course, a Judeo-Christian group of people are going to attack the, the two homosexuals out in a cabin, which by the way, don't fucking rent a cabin. <laughs> what are you doing? Nothing good happens out there, guys. Always have service. But, or an AK-47. Like, what are you doing out there <laughs> with your child and you're like letting her play outside by herself? No. <laughs> This deserved to happen to you. Hey, these are Christian See, nuts. Thing Leave is... the Jews out of this. <laughs> <laughs> it was during Passover. <laughs> they forgot the lamb blood above the door. You shut up, Evan. Uh, to, to answer your question, Evan, I don't know what ending I would have preferred, honestly. I honestly don't have an answer for this. I just kind of wish... They went in one direction or the other and just stuck committed it, to it. Almost. Yeah. And like, I felt like it looked like they were going in one direction that what they were saying was true and the end of the world was imminent, but they didn't really explain what this thing is. If it's a God, if it's a demon, mm-hmm. if it's a being, what kind of powers does it have over these people? Why are they, why do they have to sacrifice themselves after each couple of hours or whatever, yeah. what happens if they don't sacrifice themselves? Did they have a choice? It sound, it made it seem like they didn't have a choice. Like, yeah, they just like black out and did their thing. And then shot themselves in the head. <laughs> but I liked that. Classic with penalty box night. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I can't answer that. Like, I, I don't know what would have made it better, I guess, is my answer. Like, and don't get me wrong. I love a good cliffhanger. I just was expecting a little more mythology i guess Mm -hmm. or a little more like i would have loved if they just didn't know if those were news articles were accurate or not but it seemed like they were you know what i'm saying like it seemed like it was the end of the world based on the ending of the book but i think like also despite like how much i liked the pacing and i don't think there was too much extraneous stuff in the story and it was a pretty short book in general Mm -hmm. i think this would have made for a better short story because i Mm. think his concept was a short story yeah, and I agree with I that. Think, I think I'm more familiar, if I pick up a short story, <laughs> I know I'm not going to get all the answers. You know what I mean? Right. And that's the context, because a short story is like, it's ephemeral. It's like, it's usually just an emotion that somebody's trying to get you to feel, and it's usually like a, like nothing as big and profound, like life-changing emotions, usually like more smaller, tighter, subtle emotions, like shades of a color, if you will. This could have been that because I think that's what he had. And I think if it was, if that's what he was going for, you could have cut half of this out and made it just like a three page story that would haunt you. And I think yeah. that's what this could have been. And I think in a lot of ways it was, but drawing it out as long as it did draw, drew out the, the desire for an answer more, you know, cause that was what drove the whole book was that you did. It was know. like an awkward in between number of pages where if it was shorter, it would have been better. But if it was longer, it could have been better too. Yes. Where they could have ex- like yeah. they could have made a whole world about this. Right. So I felt like it was an awkward in between, but I agree. The pacing was fantastic. I flew through this book cause I flew through it just to figure out answers. And I just wanted to know if they're telling the truth or not. That's all I wanted to know. Exactly. So, well, Evan, how about you? Oh, which ending? Yeah, what would be your ideal ending? I like the darker ending. 
I would like it to right. be that it was all yeah. for for nothing. I think that would have been really yeah. I like that too. And twisted, <laughs> right? And haunting, even more haunting. <laughs> yeah. Like is yeah. it jigsaw or is it like you know like some Aztecian god? Like you could choose between the two things of that. Is like what kind of sacrifice are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Human sacrifice or like humans just being pieces of shit? So. I also think this would have made a great sketch comedy of like a couple that actually hated each other. And then they came in, they're like, you need to sacrifice one of them. And they're like, okay, fuck yeah, get the fuck out of here. I just found Grindr on his phone. (laughs) Oh, okay. So kind of like a who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, but with homicide. (laughs) Where they're not trying to figure out who they should kill. They're just trying to kill the other person the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. They're just Uh, trying to kill each other. That's cool. Well, you know what it relates to is like, there were some things that you did get like cherry picked out of it. Like I, I think it was by three quarters of the way in the book. I was like, Oh, it's almost like they're the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And then we get to the movie and I was <laughs> and then like, you get M night Shyamalan. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That guy is like, I think he finger painted this script. I'm not going to lie. It was like, this one's red. Yeah. This one's white. Did they explain their clothes in the book? They did describe the colors of their shirts. And then a few other things. It was very subtle, mm-hmm. and there was like one moment where they did mention the horsemen, but it was very passive. I did not pick up on that yeah. at all That's... until M. Knight described <laughs> yeah. it to me. The, M. Knight is the Cliff Notes version of this book. God, right. he really is. Well, and I, Jimmy, one of the things you pointed out was that like there wasn't enough explanation in the book to things, and that's even worse in the movie <laughs> because it's the Cliff Notes <laughs> version of the book. <laughs> I think it's a little too extreme sometimes, too. We'll talk about the movie, but they way over-explain a lot of things, Yes, I think. Jesus, horse to water. They just dumped the horse's head in the water and drowned the piece of it. I could have used a combination of the two endings, almost, where you you don't necessarily... Like, they made the sacrifice to save when, but you don't know if what they did was right. You know what I'm saying? Like, there was all that stuff was happening, but you still don't know if it was a coincidence or not. And then they play boogie shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Why that song? Before we get too far into like the movie, because I really want to talk about that. Yeah. Here's some questions that are unanswered in the book. And I want to see what you guys think. Did they, or did they not release the grasshoppers in the book? Because in the beginning, Leonard helps when collect the seven yeah. grasshoppers. And that's kind of when you start to understand the mysticism because he's like, seven's a very holy number. And she's like, no. Yeah. But <laughs> she starts to panic about the fact that she forgot to let the grasshoppers out because she saw a bunch of strangers coming over right. with like weapons. And then there's one point where I think it was Andrew. It might have been Eric. I, I'm trying to remember it in the movie or not the movie, the book. The one parent that decides to go to the the car. Oh, Andrew. And then notices. Yes, it was Andrew. And then he sees the the cap still on the bottle, but he doesn't know whether or not Leonard let the bottle open and let the grasshoppers free and put the top back on or not. What do you think? I don't think he did. I think Leonard. You think he did? Because I think that also is like your answer kind of shows what you think of Leonard as well as the world's. Like, there's so many, like, little tiny, like, breadcrumbs of what kind of people are we actually dealing with here? Because Leonard could be a liar. And if he's a liar, is he lying about everything? Or is he actually a gentle giant? I think he's a gentle giant. That's how I portray him. So you see him as... I want to portray Leonard. 
Right. As annoying as he was, <laughs> explaining that he was a gentle giant. I coach Little League. <laughs> I can't be a criminal. <laughs> I'm watching your honor season two right now, and I can tell you right now that's bullshit. So, Evan, what do you think? Grasshopper's oh, that's free right. or not? That's right. I think he freed him. I, I don't see uh, why he would lie about that. It seems like so a is, stupid yeah. thing for him to lie about, given yeah. how he, as annoying as he was. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mind Leonard. You guys are awful. You're like, I hate the big guy. Is nice, nice words. All right. So was O'Bannon? What was it? Redmond? The book? Oh yeah. Do you think that? So they cleared it up for the movie pretty well. Yep. As I choke, I show tongue. you his identification. Oh god, I know. So what do you think of the book? Because this yet again goes back to: Are they liars or are they not? I think it was him, personally. But I don't think Redmond was lying. I just don't think he wanted to use his real name. Gotcha. But he's definitely like a gay bashing Bostonian. Yeah. Okay. Evan? Yeah, but I think he what he believes is happening is true at the same time. I don't think he meant to go after a gay couple. Yeah. <laughs> For a second time. <laughs> For a second time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's like... What's interesting, too, is all four of them are compelled. None of them really can stop themselves, which is interesting because why not just do that with the sacrifice? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really get the sacrifice thing, I guess. Yeah, we've moved past that as a society. All right, so Evan, you say it's O'Bannon or no O'Bannon? I think he's O'Bannon. I just think narratively that's much more interesting <laughs> for him to <laughs> right? do also. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To be part of this group. And not intentionally be targeting him, but also be the same person who did target him for. I also like reasons. how they gave a little. I also like how they made the four horsemen question Redmond. Yeah. At one mm-hmm. point too, I did like that where they were like, "He's the one who started the blog post," and they proved that he was. Well, I can't remember now. I'm getting. I think I'm getting the book and movie confused. No, but that's pretty much. They, I think all right. They were questioning whether or not he was lying to them. You know, and if yeah. he was lying to them, is any of it real? And they started questioning themselves. So I kind of like that part. I did too, because I think the only person that seemed very sur- sure of himself was Leonard. And, yeah. and probably o- o- O'Bannon, Redmond too. But the two women, I think, were very on the fence about it. And I think it was kind of interesting when they brought up that question because it was it was important to the narrative. It was sort of like, these people also don't want to be here. You know what I mean? It made it very clear that they were scared and not sure of themselves mm-hmm. and like, what the fuck is going on? So. I really like the two female characters a lot. I do too. I liked I liked Adrian, the the really like <laughs> neurotic one that was like the chef. I liked mm-hmm. her better in the mm-hmm. book because like I was like I feel like I met this girl. Like maybe she's like a recovering heroin addict and like, like <laughs> <laughs> has a like really cool sleeve tattoo. I don't know, but in the movie I was like, oh god, there was that one part where she goes. We'll get into the movie, but I really want to say this, where she's like, he liked pancakes, and then she dies. Mm-hmm. It reminded me so much of Cabin Fever, where the kid just screams, pancakes, pancakes, jumps <laughs> jumps off the bench, does karate moves, and then bites the kid's hand, <laughs> which was the greatest fever dream sh- shot in a movie I've ever seen, and I hate Eli Roth. But like, <laughs> anytime you say pancakes, I'm just going to instantly go there mentally and cinematically. So it was a big fail for me. Yeah, I, I, I like the dynamic of the four people that came to the cabin together because they're all very different. But they all I liked how they 
communicated with each other. I do too. I thought it, I, I, it was unique. And I think like that was a, another thing too, is it was like kind of like a no exit moment where these are four very incompatible people. And the only thing that's brought them all together is the fact that they're a compelled to, but there's like a higher power, which kind of confirms more like, is this the end of the world too? So it, it sets, I think by asking these kind of small questions, you start to see that, yeah, this is the end of the world. And these gay guys just like flipped the bird and was like, suck it humanity. <laughs> and you know what? Fuck yeah. <laughs> Human race ends with us. But all right. I feel like that's enough questions. Those were two of the ones that I was going to say. So we, we all kind of feel like there's an ending that we all desired, which was the darker one, I think. But none yeah. of us really know what the hell happens by the end of it. <laughs> it's so fine. frustrating. So let's get into a little bit more of the movie details. That was, it was, yeah, go for it, Jimmy. Yeah, sure. So Cabin at the End of the World is the name of the book. Knock at the Cabin is the name of the movie. Came out in this past February, 2023. Directed by M. Night Shyamalan, stars Dave Bautista, Jonathan Groff, and Rupert Grint, who's not in it for very long, unfortunately. <laughs> it's an hour and 40 minutes, which I think is honestly like the perfect length for a thriller. <laughs> I don't think it needs to be any longer or any shorter mm. for a good thriller. Rotten Tomato scores, a 67 by the critics, 63 by the audience. Mm. Yeah, mm. so like... Your solid C, I would say. <laughs> Which is just so usually where I M. Night Shyamalan's usual. <laughs> well, so it's funny. I think M. Night Shyamalan is an enigma of a director. He either makes like really good movies, mm-hmm. really mediocre movies, or really shitty movies. Mm. And, you know, like, I feel like this movie would have been better if people didn't know who directed it, if that makes sense. I feel like people think yeah. they're owed by M. Night a little bit, like a, yeah. like a twist or something at the end. And, you know, he really, I mean, the one main twist made him famous from The Sixth Sense. But mm-hmm. other than that, a lot of his movies don't have, like, huge twists, right? So I think when he directs a movie, people are expecting The Sixth Sense or Signs or one of his earlier or Unbreakable or one of those earlier movies and forget that he made The Happening, <laughs> You know, no, or... <laughs> I will forever remember he made that happening. I, so, am, I, am like, I have a cross so, to fucking bear with him on that. <laughs> so the bar gets set high and then people go into it with high expectations and then it just doesn't stick the landing. And I think he has really good premises, mm. but never really sticks the landing. You know, definitely agree with you on that because, like, I, I think that's why he became so famous in like the '90s was because like that the Sixth Sense was like such an interesting concept and it was pulled off so well, and like that kind of set up him and his like illustrious career that we now speak of. But yeah. the thing though is like when you say like if no one knew this movie was an M Night Shyamalan movie, it would probably let up a little bit of like what the expectation was on the film. And I do agree that like I think when you see it's an M Night Shyamalan film, you know that there's an expectation. Of like some kind of a uh-huh. twist, mm-hmm. but like his 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 oeuvre, his his style, his his you know catalog of movies. I think if you watched this, you would have known it was him by the end of it, whether you had known oh, it or yeah. not, because it, it just I has agree. his fingerprint on it. Of like he's there's something very um, elementary about him that like I feel like he tries to make like these modern fairy tales, and I think like he handles things in a very uh, scholastic way of trying to 
over explain things to his audience and like make them very clean but like it's never too scary it's never too dark i mean the sixth sense we can talk a little bit that was like i think the edgiest of his edge but there's something about it that like he still feels like he needs this kind of like happy ending or an ending or this Uh fantasy world and like his style his the colors he chooses it just there's something very I don't know how else to say it, but like kind of basic to me about it. And I don't think he, it lacks depth where I think if he had more depth, kind of like the book, I think he would pull off his concepts better because he doesn't trust his audience. He doesn't, he feels a need to, I don't know, draw the pictures rather than to kind of like let things breathe and lie and just kind of, have the sense of mystery about them. He kind of ruins mystery. He wants to peel back <laughs> on like, <laughs> you know, he's like, Oh, wouldn't it be crazy if we talked about this metaphysical thing, but I told you everything about it. Like, I don't know. It just, it, it doesn't seem like he's very advanced. <laughs> so like, guess what I'm trying to say? And I don't feel very challenged by his movies or his concepts. And I, I, I just find myself groaning a little bit too much at some of the things he does. And I feel bad because I remember growing up as a kid that I thought M. Night Shyamalan was the greatest thing ever because, you know, I was like in sixth grade when The Sixth Sense came out and it was like such a thing and he was so hailed and then Unbreakable came out and he was just like the first director that I kind of knew of, you know, probably outside of Steven Spielberg. And I still carry that with him. I, I want him to do better, but he's in like his that phase that Nicolas Cage was in for a while where they did really bad movies that were like over the top Uh and too like melodramatic. And I think this is still kind of part of that. I think he wants to get out and do more horror and do more, you know, deeper stuff, but I don't think he's ready for it yet. And I don't think he realizes the humor that's around him too, because he's kind of ridiculous. Like I think it's easy to mock him because he's just so childlike i don't know correct me if i'm wrong go for it he does have a very youthful face i'll say <laughs> he's been using that retinol yeah. <laughs> good job M. Yeah. <laughs> he made a cameo in the film too he did and a very funny one he I always might add. a solid yeah, cameo he's in an air fryer infomercial that's on tv where he's with the <laughs> co-host and, you know where they're feeding each other food it's so creepy it's a, i've seen that infomercial. it is it's so super, creepy with the blonde yeah. guy with the goatee it's really creepy that was the creepiest part of the movie. Yeah, it really was. I, I agree with you, Kelly. I feel like over the course of his career, he has not really evolved much as a filmmaker. He's not pushing boundaries or doing anything interesting. And in a way, yeah, he does over-explain things, particularly the ending. And I agree. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah. I'll agree with and you And I that. Agree, agree with you, Jimmy, that it you know, seeing this movie directed by M. Night Shyamalan, there is an expectation. And this is the one time where he really could have and should have used a twist because I think it would have made his movie yeah. more interesting. That's a time I when agree. you're adapting. I, I think when you're adapting things, whether it be it a book to, to movie, video game to movie, whatever, you're given an opportunity to do something interesting or different with the characters and the story. And that's one of the things I really respected about the last of us TV show is that they kept the things that worked, but they took opportunities to push the story in a different direction where they could. And he had a great opportunity to do that here. And he did not take that opportunity. No, I agree. I I don't think either stuck the landing. Well, and like I said earlier, I don't think 
I liked either book ending or a movie ending. What I didn't like is, and Kelly, you you talked about this earlier, when people over-explain things to the audience and, you know, like there's a scene where I thought the ending almost dragged out a little too long where he goes, he sees the airplanes falling. So, okay, so you figure <laughs> this is really happening, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. But then he goes into the diner shop and then they're all just hanging around each other while there's a pandemic going on. And I didn't understand why anybody was hanging out at a diner while every, there's a pandem- I mean, worldwide pandemic going on. Have you been here the last on. three years? <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes into the car and he picks up every piece of evidence that shows that what they were saying was accurate. And I was like, all right, this is getting a little too much. Uh, you know what Emily Shaba loves to do is throw in like movie clips of like, it's always like news footage. Like they did it in signs where they're like, look at oh, these yeah. aliens or the <laughs> happening, which is the worst movie I've ever seen where they're like, Oh man, people are killing themselves. And then this guy shows a young child, this man that killed himself by throwing himself in the lion pen. And it went on for like five minutes. And you're like, <laughs> wait, was that the right thing to do at this time in life? And why why are these news clips circulating? M. Night Shyamalan loves that because he's like he's sort of like, oh, oh, I gotta tell people that you know people are killing themselves and airplanes are falling. I'm gonna use the worst CGI ever yeah. and put it in a news clip. The worst CGI and the worst narrative device. And I think that's oh. that to me is one of the main reasons why this movie sucks is that so <laughs> much of it is told via news stories. And they're told in this weird, detached style that gives no emotional weight to anything that's happening. It's bad CG, like you just said. It's cold Ugh. and impersonal. I mean, it'd be one thing if we started in the news and then this perspective shifted to someone that was actually walking on the beach and uh-huh. we weren't watching video of people walking on the beach. and Exactly. There are ways this could have been way more emotionally hefty and he just didn't like human? <laughs> yeah yeah rather than like your facebook news feed like it's just but i do want to go back to the cgi because i had i, I was a struggle bus guys the two things that really bothered me was that one scene where leonard who played by like i actually really loved the casting for leonard in this movie good yes. i will give i will give that Except for Sabrina, I didn't, and and not to sound like an anti-woke person, it wasn't because she's a woman of color, it was because the actress, (laughs) the actress was, like, very breathy. She was, like, like, whenever she was stressed, she was, like, (laughs) I was, like, oh, my God, is this a porno at this point? But the one scene where Leonard slits his throat. And then he's in a rocking chair. Uh-huh. I think they <laughs> yeah. should have not used the rocking chair because the blood <laughs> on his neck was like rising and falling. Going up and down. <laughs> yeah. Was a I like I said. Away. Yeah. Like I said, I, I think M. Night has good premise. Like this book just doesn't stick the landing. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. you said, Evan, there's a lot of, well, there's a lot of things he could have just done a little differently. It would have been a solid thriller. Mm-hmm. You know, like just a little couple tweaks and it would have been solid. I I did not like the ending of the movie. Overall, I thought it was a solid thriller. It's going to be one of those unmemorable thrillers Mm -hmm. that you just see on TNT randomly or one of those, (laughs) you know, like. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Or Max. Max. (laughs) But Kelly, I want to get back to what you hinted at earlier. I thought Dave Bautista was fantastic. I like him a lot. 
I do. I'm pumped that he's breaking out of the Guardians of the Galaxy and trying some other roles. And I thought he was great. His presence is like unrecognizable. You know, it's it's in your face. He takes up the whole movie screen. Mm. He takes up the whole cabin. You almost feel like claustrophobic mm-hmm. around him, which is kind of a cool. I thought kind of an interesting way of shot. It was shot. Yeah. Every step he takes, there's a creek on the floor. Like he portrays Leonard very well. I thought. Yeah, I think so too. Except for that one scene where he's hiding in the shower. <laughs> this, this man was like, you could see oh him a mile First away, off, and suddenly he's like crouching tiger hidden dragon behind yeah. a shower curtain. <laughs> First off, they they film that window, and then they shoot back to and. One of the dads, Eric or Andrew, and they're 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 thinking the same thing the audience is thinking. Can Dave Batista really fit through no. that window? <laughs> Definitely not. No. <laughs> no. Definitely not. I'm not a physicist here, guys. But... <laughs> uh, we were watching it. We were like, there is no way he fit through that no. window. Why are you thinking he fit? <laughs> He's definitely in the shower. 100 percent Oh my goodness. I thought all the characters did a good job at trying to make themselves look normal. You know, like they overdid it a little bit, I think. But the girl that was the chef or whatever, she was like panicky the whole time. And yeah. I liked her character as panicky. And like, sh- if if I was in the cabin, I would believe her the most out of all four of them. Because she just seemed the most normal to me. Though, I thought the girl who played Wen was good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like a child actor can derail a movie. And I thought she did really well. I think the relationship between the four horsemen and Eric was really well done. You, you know, he so? seemed very believe he he seemed very believe like he believed them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think a little more earlier on, like where I felt like the book he didn't really believe them as much until the ending. But I liked this, that he more. Was, he was he was teetering. I felt mm-hmm. like more in this, like being pulled between his husband and being pulled between them. I liked Jonathan Groff too. See, so. I like. I think I like Jonathan Groff more on stage than I like him in movies, and I hate to say that because I love Mindhunter. But there's, I was gonna say, what about Mindhunter? I love Mindhunter. I'm sad that David Finch is being a little bitch not finishing it, but he's like super. I don't know, just overwhelmed and too cupy doll the whole time. And I understand that he had a concussion, but I I thought it was made more sense in the course of the novel that this guy wasn't a pushover that he had his his religious beliefs and that like it's something that was kind of undiscussed like kind of like a a rough patch between him and his husband but like honored regardless and i think this movie tried to make that bigger than it was and i think it made it that he was just sort of like this i don't know just like your typical human sacrifice like as soon as you knew him you knew that he was going to kind of kill himself in the course of this movie as a sacrifice. It was, it was written all over his face. He just, he just constantly seemed like, you know, like a, a precious moments, kind of like <laughs> s- such a sweetheart that was willing. Yeah. The water, like that one <laughs> tear, like yeah. the lip quiver kind of deal. And then it was really off put by what's the actor's name that plays Eric, Ben Aldridge, who I've only yeah. ever seen in Fleabag, but I thought he was in like way too aggressive. And like, that made me kind of, sad about their relationship because like I didn't really get the love that they had as much like there was moments that I think they did pretty well with it but for the most part he was constantly yelling and overly logical where you know then you have Angie who's just like put me on the cross I'll die 
And I just thought that was like, it was, it was too heavy handed of how these two people are. And I didn't think it gave them a lot of dimension or characteristics. And it, it made it like, yeah, of course, Andrew's going to kill himself and Eric's going to go off and, you know, Mm -hmm. raise when I didn't think there was any message there, honestly. And I think in deep way, it's kind of offensive too, because, you know, like, what's the point? Like what, what world, what I really hated about this movie is the message sucked. Like at the end, there's been countless sacrifices over lifetimes and people are just killing their loved ones because their love is pure so that this piece of shit world can go on, you know, with like all these terrible things like, and I know they tried to address that, but the message in the book was so profound of like, what world is this? And what's, what's the love of a child? What's the love of a partner? What, what's, what's the human spirit? And this was just like, sometimes you just got to kill your husband and life will go on. And you know, you know God doesn't see color or, you know, whether you're gay or not, it's fine. Yeah. Like, I don't want to live in that world, you know? And I thought that was challenging and interesting in the novel. The movie was just sort of like a bad CCD lesson, you know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a just an angry angry girl, but I just I I wish I wish that there was more humanity in each character in this movie and like made it more of a sacrifice because it wasn't a sacrifice. This guy was dead years ago. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. So I think it's I think it's funny that you that that what you just shared because that i feel like when i was watching this with my wife shauna she was feeling the same way about the pointlessness of it all like wh- why did we sit through this like what was the point of it all it doesn't have anything interesting to say and so she'll be glad that you <laughs> you said that <laughs> <laughs> and it does it does feel very pointless without any type of interesting thing or point and it it is the obvious choice to kill air <laughs> yeah yeah you know i felt like he was trying to make more meaning out of it but then kind of failed you know what i mean he was trying to like make a point and it just like didn't land no. you know what i mean like it i i give credit for attempting to create this ending on your own but yeah. it just like i felt like he was trying to take the book which he liked the premise and he was like, okay, these are clearly the four horsemen, so I'm going to tell the audience that these are the four horsemen. They're going to wear the four colors and all that stuff. And the point is, you got to make a sacrifice when you're a parent. you got to make a sacrifice for your kid. you got to give up your own life for your kid sometimes. And, like, I, I just, I don't think it tied well. Like, it wasn't, like, a very good thriller ending. And the way they zoomed in on Jonathan Groff at the end when he was given that explanation, what I thought was so weird and the color was all distorted. And he's just, like, crying, yeah. like... No, it has to be done, Andrew. It has to be done. I'm just picturing when coming out of oh, her apartment yeah. in Boston in the future. Like, I don't think that was really needed. I think you could have still decided on a sacrifice, but then just when and Andrew went out and you everything right. was fine. Ooh. And did he sacrifice himself for nothing? That would have been more kind of thing. Like he just went crazy, you know, or something like that, like like uh, Stockholm syndrome or right. something like that happened. Like I said, I, I thought it was a good thriller. I, I always like to, uh, just one note is like, I like, I think it could have been a little more gory. Like it's, you heard the sounds of the gore, but you didn't Ooh. see the gore. And my, I, you know, I watched it with my wife and she liked the fact that you didn't see 
Redmond's head get chopped off or anything, <laughs> but you heard it. So, but you know, this is a thriller. Come on, lean in, like get real gory. Yeah. Bash in Harry Potter's. Oh, it's not Harry Potter. What's his name? Ron. Uh, Ron Harry Weasley. Thank you. Ron <laughs> Ash in Ron Weasley's head. Yeah. That would have been. Yeah. Uh, M&A seems to like that actor, though, because he's in uh, a Apple TV series. Yeah, The Servant, which I haven't watched, but I know he's in that as well. I don't know. I just don't trust. I don't trust M. Night. Like, <laughs> yeah. you're going to get, get a wide range of yeah. movies. I love Split. I like Split, Split was probably the Split was probably the last movie I really liked Same. by him. Yeah. Split. I, would I thought agree. Old was terrible. Which one? Did you guys see I didn't old? see that one. No, I did see Old. It was terrible. Was it? What's yeah, the ending of that? pretty bad. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really remember exactly, but it's like, they're the the what's happening is real, uh-huh. but there's a group of scientists that are forcing people onto this beach to observe the anomaly that's happening. <sighs> that's just the ending. It's like a scientist observation deck that's overlooking these like, people that are just getting old so fast. I feel like we're just therapists for M Night Shyamalan. Like he's working out these ideas and like emotions and stuff like that, and like it's just too he nebulous. Like a, he needs a coach. Yeah, he need. Yeah, he needs like a like a crew around him. Almost to be like, yeah, you're onto something. You're onto something. But like, let's let's fix it a little bit. Yeah, let's tweak it a little bit. A hundred percent. Like, workshop the shit out of this now, please. <laughs> my but yeah, I don't. I'll give credit to the to the tip of the hat to the book on. You know, the I liked a lot of the character development in the book, like explaining a little bit how they got to where they are. I liked the mystery behind it a little bit more. Like Kelly, you said, I liked the f off to the world ending a little bit more. I didn't like the explain every little detail of this movie at the end. I don't think that car scene was needed. And but I don't think bookie shoes was needed. That was inappropriate. <laughs> inappropriate. We need a moment for Andrew, guys. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> save bookie shoes for tomorrow. Yeah, I feel like there was like one scene that I really did like in the movie. I'm trying to remember what it was. Kelly's like, I'm searching <laughs> for what I like. Yeah. No, you know what I thought was actually like kind of nice was like the flashback to when they first adopted when and then they had mm-hmm. to go to China. Yeah. And I thought one of the most and this is let me say the one subtle thing that he kind of did in this movie was there was a part where Andrew goes, oh, yeah, and this is my wife's husband brother and he's here with me. My wife couldn't make it because two gay guys can't go to China and adopt a child. And uh-huh. that was, I mean, as far as I know, I'm not a gay man going to China, but it was really profound, I think, in that one subtle moment of, like, the, the amount of effort it took for them to go there to do this, the love that they wanted, and, like, when they were holding that child. Even that one scene where it's, like, it, when the first scene started, Andrew's looking at a mural that's on the, the hospital wall of, like, Jesus kicking a soccer ball. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, yeah, I get that. Like, this isn't in the book. And I actually mm-hmm. really appreciate this, like, little tiny touch of, like, a backstory for them. But they confused a few things, too, because I, I think they, they were a little bit too aggressive with Eric's character. Like, they made him so angry. And I think it was Andrew's parents in the book that was the ones that didn't really understand his being gay. Yeah. Versus in the movie, they made it that it was Eric's parents. And I thought that was a little bit too much of a, you know, like the one half of the couple is, you know, like the angry gay and the other one's more accepting and has found place in in their faith to kind of overcome their shame. 
So I, I thought that was a little tacky, but I did like what they did in that one scene. I thought that was I thought that was the best part of the movie, honestly. That was a great scene. It's one of the it made me the moment in the movie that feels the most emotionally true and genuine. Yeah. It really yeah. did hit. And I'm I'm just laughing about the Jesus playing sports with kids <laughs> as someone who went to Catholic school. We definitely had those like pictures of Jesus playing sports with kids on the wall, like outside our gym. So that's all I can think of when I see those things. And they, by the way, I looked it up. You can buy those things online. Like there's like Christian stores where you can buy like Jesus playing soccer or this one that's like a little statue <laughs> of like Jesus playing football. And there's a kid running about to tackle Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna tackle take him down his pilot <laughs> here's my hail mary <laughs> i love that this movie inspired you to google that. <laughs> oh no i'd already looked this up a while ago <laughs> it was you and m night Shyamalan that were just googling yeah, this i'm way ahead of yeah. m night on this <laughs> no i i don't know like i i really don't like what you were saying jimmy with like m night Shyamalan in general like I don't want to hate him. I really don't. I just, I'm just consistently disappointed by him and I want him to do better. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, like your friend that like did really well and like is now kind of just like fumbling to kind of keep up with their own, I don't know, legacy, if you will. And I think maybe he has to try something new. I think he's been doing too much of the same stuff and he hasn't really figured that out. So maybe like, maybe it's time for a gear shift and stay away from the weird... (laughs) news clips first and foremost and second (laughs) and develop a story that i mean it could have a twist ending but it doesn't have to be you know it's either science or or jesus that are doing it like there could be something else and there's something he isn't exploring and I, i don't know like he really does lean heavy on like very overly emotional moments like like how would I say that like just like the when moment in the movie where she grows up and there's that whole scene where like Eric's walking her and she's Mm -hmm. an adult woman like that's a clear tearjerker moment like I know like three women that that were probably crying in the theater at that point in time like oh it's for the daughter you know and yeah that's fine but yes saccharine would be a very very good word for that and I think he that's his his trump card he likes to pull that out he always has that kind of near like the very end of the conflict and i mean even in split they kind of do that but i thought split was actually a very good movie so i don't want to poo poo on that too much but yeah i just i want more from m night Shyamalan. i want him to rediscover what it is that he's passionate about workshop it for three years and then have someone come (laughs) on with him to like maybe ad that shit but yeah yeah i agree he just hasn't like there's certain things in the movie I did like that he did. Like, it's almost like he gave you the mystery part of it, but then answered the mystery for you. You know, there was one scene where yeah. they cut to Andrew getting hit by Redman, but they cut it so that you don't see who actually hit him with the beer bottle. Yeah. And I was I wish they just left it like that, where you didn't know if it was Redman or not that actually hit him with the beer bottle. But then they answer it later. Yeah. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. That I'm like, they could have just left it alone, and we would have just been wondering who was right. You know? Yeah. They also like M. Night Shyamalan. Drop the f word on that one. Make that hate crime really, <laughs> really sing. You know? Like it, it was yeah. like 
even the hate crime part of it was sort of like, was that a hate crime or was that guy just talking really loud? I don't know. Uh, but that's all I had on the movie piece. Yeah. So basically, we're all just kind of like, yeah, with the There's... movie. I'm kidding. I thought it was a solid thriller, but yeah. I'm two against one here. No, so, ah, stop it. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, and it's not just like because I read the book. I think if I even watched this movie, I would have been like, and it's my word, so I can use it. Gay. <laughs> like, what is this ending? <laughs> like, yeah, ending on. not great. No. Everything up to that, I liked. Yeah, and the ending also went on for a, a long time. With like, that's what I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could have used like it. It kind of reminded me of like Cabin in the Woods, but I kind of wish a more Cabin in the Woods. Ended, yes, you know? I was thinking oh, about God. that too. There were two movies that this movie slash book made me think of. One was Cabin was the in the Woods. One? knowing no actually it wasn't the other oh, one guys. is a movie called take shelter with michael shannon where he's a guy who has visions of the apocalypse and he <laughs> starts building a shelter in his yard he like digs out his yard and is building this shelter because he's worried that the end times are coming and it is the kind of story where you're, you're guessing like the entire time is he losing his mind is this real is it gonna happen is it and yeah. the movie does explain one way or the other, but it's still effective. And same thing with Cabin yeah. in the Woods. We find out the whole backstory as to why people are being sacrificed. And I love that fuck you ending where they I say, know. you know what? We're not going to do it. I love it, yeah. Exactly. Which is like <laughs> Burn it all such... down. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, even with the book, it's like, this, like, it can be accomplished. What you're trying to do can be accomplished. You just have to, there's like a little bit more that you have to do to really finish this thought. And he, like, I feel like he put a comma where he, like, he put a period where it should have been a comma. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Long short of it. But Cabin in the Woods, is, uh, yeah, that's a good one. And the other one too, that I guess just from hearing you say that was like, did you ever see Fragility? Or what was it with Matthew McConaughey? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. And no. I think you saw that, Jimmy. It's the one where the father starts <laughs> killing people. Did we watch it together? No, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one where it's like a kid goes to, or Matthew McConaughey goes to a detective and he starts telling him that he thinks his brother's been like a, a serial killer. And then he starts talking about how when they were growing up, it was like the, the two brothers and their father. Oh my God. That's a good movie. Yeah. I totally forgot it. But he's not in it that much, Matthew. No, he's because he's kind of telling the story, so it's like more flashback. Yeah, that's a good movie. Is it? Is, I think it's called Fragility. Let me. Oh my god, that. I forgot about frailty. That movie. My bad, sorry. Frailty. <laughs> I was say, yes. I was like, oh man, I had this fragility movie. How did I totally miss this? <laughs> <laughs> frailty. That was a good movie. I like that too because yet again, that's a wild ride. Yeah, I, I don't want to spoil that because I would kind of recommend this movie if you want something yeah. where it's like. Is God really behind all this or not? I don't That's know. That's a good movie Isn't recommendation did, if you want to. Did Bill Paxton direct that movie? Oh, he's in it. Damn. Or oh yeah, he's the father, he, right? But he could have directed it too, right? Yeah. Let me. Yeah, he directed it. My favorite app of all time, IMDb. <laughs> he did direct it. Oh damn! Good job, Evan. You didn't know the movie I was talking about, but you know the director. <laughs> yeah, somehow I got there. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote his own psychotic role. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, I thought in honor also, little known fact, one of the biggest inspirations for M. Night Shyamalan's The Sixth Sense, his best movie to date, is an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. No way. 
Seriously? Yeah. Is it really? I'd, yeah. I'd never was, heard that before. That's what inspired him to raise six, the Sixth Sense because there was an episode where it turned out the girl was dead the whole time. And he kind of took that thought and ran with it. And that is why we so have He what we stole have. that twist. Yeah, literally. So <laughs> I You can't even give him anything. credit for the twist. <laughs> he stole it from Canadian kids' tales from the crypt. <laughs> Nothing's original. <laughs> I know Christopher Nolan stole from Goosebumps. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I thought it'd be kind of cool. And I think this is like another thing too, is like it's to kind of revisit the book and what I said about it is that sometimes short is perfect for the story and message you're trying to get across. And that's why I think Are You Afraid of the Dark was such a phenomenal series, especially for children. Because it had, <laughs> you know, you plant the seeds early, so that way they, they spawn, like, cordyceps out of the head. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that, like, it, it's such a great show because of that. Like, there's some episodes that are great and some not so great. But you have these, and I think, like, I mean, if you're a writer and a director and you're kind of hard up for ideas right now, go check out Are You Afraid of the Dark? You might come up with your next blockbuster film. But I was going to say, what would you say is three of your top favorite Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes? That's a toughie. So I'll, I'll start by saying I was afraid of Are You Afraid of the Dark <laughs> as a kid. My cousin we used to force me on the couch to watch it, and I would be terrified the entire time. So I was really cool. not a fan of Are You Afraid of the Dark. He used to be like, Jim, you got to face your fears. And I'd be like, No, I'm all God. set. I'd rather not have nightmares tonight. But there was one that stuck with me. I don't know if it was my favorite because I really didn't like them. I was deathly afraid of them. But there was a, a vampire episode. I think it was, I looked it up earlier. It was called Nightly Neighbors. Oh, yeah. Where the uh, neighbors are a family of vampires. Mm-hmm. And that freaked me out for years. It honestly traumatized me. I thought vampires were just around us all the time. And <laughs> I was going to be attacked one day. Oh, Great it's pick. funny because I feel so, like Goosebumps scared me more than Are You Afraid of the Dark? Are You Afraid of the Dark definitely scared me, but Goosebumps was, like, darker. I feel like R.L. Stein was, like... Oh, see, the, I thought The books or the I, show? I, I, like... I was going to say books probably more, okay. and then a couple of the episodes, because I already do remember a few of them. And, like, it, it was also sort of, like, the difference between DC and Marvel. Oh, like, my God, Goosebumps yes. Always, yeah. <laughs> Goosebumps. That's the most accurate <laughs> analogy I've ever heard of. Yeah. Like, Are You Afraid of the Dark is definitely DC, and then yes. Marvel would be Goosebumps, because Goosebumps, like, there was, like, a lot of alien stuff, too, like there would be instances where they were just like, well, that's because we're aliens. And I was like, okay, but I don't know if I want to go in any deeper on that, but I, I just, I'm, I'm a huge, are you afraid of the dark fan? So uh, Evan, what are your three? Oh, also a huge fan of, are you afraid of the dark? Although I will say in the DC Marvel comparison for me, yeah. at least if we're comparing the TV shows, goosebumps versus, are you afraid of the dark? Are you afraid of the dark is Marvel and Goosebumps is DC because I've oh. recently rewatched all of Are You Afraid of the Dark and I couldn't get through Goosebumps because it was so bad. <laughs> it's really bad. It's very weak. It's a very weak show. <laughs> it was not good. I like how that's how you compare the two on how good <laughs> yeah, they are. I, I agree with that. Also, But yeah. I will have to say... No, Are You Afraid of the Dark is like solid, well done show. Yeah. Well done. Goosebumps. <laughs> suck it no i do love the goosebumps intro song particularly the part where the ghost goes over the dog and like the theme song turns into barking yes me too if that's could, my favorite if, part of it if i could make that into my ringtone i would 
You guys just did that in unison, unscripted. <laughs> that was fantastic. Oh my god, that's hilarious. But sorry, I didn't answer your question about favorite episodes. Are you afraid of the dark? So, Tale of the Pinball Wizard is my all-time favorite. Uh, as someone who loves like video games and pinball and like oh arcades. yes, that one is that's a good one. Yeah. Easy, my top three too. Also, because like you and I are so sick and twisted, we love that dark ending yep. where he's trapped in the pinball machine Forever. at the end. Woof. Yep. All right. Other two. Uh, I like the hatching. That one's just very creepy. That's when the kids that go to the boarding school and then the aliens, the like lizard aliens, are like hatching their eggs in the basement. Yeah, I saw (laughs) lizard (laughs) alien. Is there any other lizard alien? Yep. Uh, Right. And then three. This is tough. I like Locker 22 a lot. That's one of my favorites. What's that? Like, I'm better with, like, the concept of it. I don't it's, think I'm... Uh, there's the girl who's, like, new in school, and she gets the locker that's in the, like, remote area, and then she travels back oh. in time, and then there was the oh, girl who got killed in God, the yeah. fire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my God, I need to rewatch it. There's so many good ones. I bought a series because I don't think it's streaming on anything. It's on is... Paramount Plus. Is it? Yeah. <gasps> Yeah, Nickelodeon. Some episodes oh. are missing, however. There are, I think, like two or three, maybe four episodes that are not there on Paramount Plus. So you probably still have to go to YouTube or to your DVD set for those. Oh my God. <laughs> I would easily get a set of that. Like, put that right next to like my Daria collection. But if I had to say a few, I would definitely say Pinball. I really liked the one. And I, I'd have to figure out the name of it, but every time this guy would fall asleep, these go- <laughs> goblin ghosts hmm. that had drowned in a boat accident would come out of the water, and he was never able to go to sleep because they kept creeping towards him. Ooh. I don't know if you remember that. And then there was, oh God, the one where the Joker escapes from the comic book and everyone starts oh, to ooze the yes. blue from their Gasly mouth. Ghastly Grinner. Yeah. The Ghastly Grinner <laughs> is a big one for That's me. That's a good like, one. I, yeah, I can I can go on with a few other ones. There was like the Quicksilver one too, which was very very good. But I don't know, like it's just like yet again, these are just great concepts that you could either flesh out or keep it kind of to a short story. And I think like if you want to watch something better than an M Night Shyamalan movie, watch Are You Afraid of the Dark? Mm-hmm. So you just maybe want to watch The Sixth Sense again. See, look, <laughs> let's, let's... my first DVD was The Sixth Sense. Was it? Yeah. Uh-huh. I have to rewatch that. It's been a it's been a hot minute since I've watched The Sixth Sense. I have a feeling it didn't age very well. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The, the one part I always remember in that movie, and my mom like kind of ruined it for me. But she was like, "Why was the mom like pouring the poison in the kids' room?" <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't even remember. Like, that. Go do that in the supply closet. I would be like, huh, "I'm going to take all this Clorox and pour it in this girl's juice right next to her." Like, oh yeah, with the camera there lady. and stuff. Yeah, that, exactly. That part, yeah, but all right. That was weird. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Kelly. Yeah, book recommendations based on Cabin at the End of the World. I was going to say, like, I know there's other ones that I really can't think of them off the top of my head, but the one that I did say, and it's very random, short story, The Lottery by Shirley Jackson, mm. one of my favorite authors. I think it's a great short story. I think it accomplishes the same goal of sacrifice and is also about collective consciousness and the things that we do to belong as well as 
the things that <laughs> the reality of what happens when you're about to die. So I would definitely recommend the lottery by Shirley Jackson. Awesome. Yeah. Anyone, do you guys have any book recommendations? Having I don't. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is where I go back to being a movie guy. <laughs> yeah, same. You brought up a lot of good movies, though. Frailty, that's a solid pick for this. Yeah, I didn't even think of that until Evan was talking. I was like, wait, there's like a, a movie I've watched <laughs> that's definitely along those lines. Frailty is a, I like Frailty a lot. That's a good one. The only other ones I had, I, I had, I actually said Midsommar. I put, and then I also said The Watchmen. And do you guys ever see The Endless? It's like a cult movie no. and no. about these UFOs, but they don't know if it's really happening or not. No. And these kids get saved, and then they have one of the guy, one of the characters has to go back to save his brother from the cult, and he kind of gets trapped in there again. It's very good. Oh, okay. The Endless. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. Evan, any recommendations? Well, Cabin in the Woods for sure. If if you if oh, yeah. you've never seen that, highly recommend. And yeah, Take Shelter with Michael Shannon. I think another movie yeah, I'm gonna that, add that does one. this, you know, is this real or is this not real quite well. And I like Michael Shannon. I think he's a great actor. He's not always in great things, but he's usually great when he's in them. <laughs> I agree. Yes, agreed. His face is very distinguished. Yes. <laughs> like, you know... You know Michael. Like, if you were outside and saw Michael Shannon, you would know who Michael Shannon is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, that guy's not winning most attractive in his superlatives. But. Uh, well, Evan, thank you so much again for coming on. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah. yeah, this is great. You'll have to come back. So we'll choose another novel or movie that may or may not be better than the one that we did today. <laughs> I think we still Brutal. had a fun conversation, even if the movie wasn't very yes. good. Oh, definitely. It's like it's, <laughs> it's like a book club on acid, but this is what it's all about. <laughs> Just battling it out. But if you haven't checked it out, go check out Spoiler Piece Theater. Anything going on in Spoiler Piece Theater world? I mean, we're coming up on nine years of doing our show in a couple wow. months. Oh, That's congratulations! Nice. <laughs> Have you. you guys ever done like a, a live recording or something with like a group of people? We've done. A kind of we, no we've never done anything live in front of people but we did a call-in show for our 400th episode which was fun where we had previous guests call in and, and talk about spoilers nice. that was quite a bit of fun <laughs> oh that's cool nice yeah awesome. well congratulations yeah guys. seriously awesome. nine years is like that's that's not something to you know turn your nose up no so it's a lot of fun right. i enjoy doing it yeah oh and before we leave i did want to say one thing as a an amendment to the episode of Angela's Ashes. Oh, no. I kept saying that consumption was typhoid. It's tuberculosis. I, I was laughing when you <laughs> were saying that. And I knew that, that too. I, like that you had to I fucking knew that, too. And now I think I have tuberculosis. Oh, no. I think, I think, <laughs> You've been the, yeah. that's the Irish curse. Oh, my God. Honestly, I think like I just was like, you know what would be really cool? If Angela's Ashes took place in Oregon Trail. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then Frank McCork broke his arm and died of typhoid. So <laughs> I'm confusing the two. I really did. So I just, I want to apologize to all our health workers out there and people that think that we're assholes tuberculosis is consumption not typhoid (laughs) typhoid 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 and we're definitely assholes we definitely are so we'll take that i tested positive all right well as we sign off jimmy would you like to take out our our slogan yeah well thank you to all of our patreon followers Uh, make sure to follow us on twitter instagram all the social medias 
Thank you to Gecko's Media again, as always, for putting this episode together. And with that, keep watching movies. <laughs> no, that's not right. <laughs> keep watching books. And keep reading movies. Bye. Bye.